0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. off. We have a liftoff. Hey! <laughs>
1: And welcome back into the Bama on Three show. This is your host Clint Lamb sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this Monday morning? You feeling like a like a Heisman Trophy winner?
0: <sighs> no, I don't know what that feels like. Um, no, <laughs> no, what I feel is uh, uh, this is my one of my favorite weeks of the year. You know, it's signing day, so I'm a little overwhelmed from constantly refreshing my screen. I probably spent more time online this weekend than I ever have, which is saying a lot, partly uh, just staying in tune with news, but also texting and calling sources and friends and, and uh, just trying to get a handle on. So, so it it was a great weekend because of Bryce's win and the basketball win, but uh, I've been sort of immersed in, uh, in the recruiting Alabama recruiting last three or four days.
1: Yeah. And I think we both have, Uh, you gotta be right. I mean, it's, there's different processes to this and they all kind of work together. you got the new crop of guys who are coming in. how do you sell those guys you sell them on the current guys you got and you know how they're doing you sell them on the ones that are leaving and the ones that have left and how they're doing in the NFL uh, it's it's all they all work together And if you're talking about Alabama in 2023 2024, 2025, this is the the class the 2022 class that is going to make, a huge impact on how those years play out. So, you know, you got to be paying attention to it, see what's next. Uh, At least if you're doing our job, it it is a lot of fun too. we've got a ton of content coming for you guys this week. We actually were doing the content plan before we hopped on here. I know that Jimmy knows a lot about recruiting. I know that I keep up with it. I'm not one of those people that has my ear to the ground and and have a bunch of sources in the recruiting world. That's going to be able to give me inside nuggets, but I follow it very closely. And uh, so we'll be bringing as much content as possible. And then, I'm sure we'll be doing something on Wednesday, kind of recapping what happened, what we think of the class, favorite prospects, um, strength and weaknesses of the class, things they still need to work on. Because now it's kind of like, even though the NFL is a little bit different, uh, you have the free agent period where you go out and you sign guys. Then you turn around and you have the NFL draft. Then you can go out if, you know, if you didn't fill all your needs through the NFL draft that you had remaining, you can go out there and find a guy on the free agent market. College football used to not be that way. You know, whoever you sign in your class, if you had a weakness, well, there's that's the weakness. I mean, you can't really do anything, at least not for that next year. Now, with the transfer portal, you'll be adding guys throughout the spring and, and all that stuff, but based off of what happens on uh, Wednesday and how the class ends up turning out, Alabama will be able to identify some areas they still want to add a couple of players. They did it this past year with Henry Toto and Jameson Williams. Both players ended up working out but that is essentially your NFL free agency where you can fill in the remaining gaps and make your team go from almost complete to complete. So very interesting dynamic compared to years past.
0: Oh yeah. Well, uh, it's, we we talked about so much on the show, but the biggest changes in in maybe the last 50 years in college football all happened in the past year, Uh, free agency NIL and, and, and free agency and NIL are having a massive impact on this recruiting class and numbers and who you can take and and how many you can take and and who's going pro and who might be staying because now you can make a little money while while you're in college. Uh, it, it's it's been the the most difficult year to follow for those reasons. The, the, the most difficult year to project and, and know what's going to happen in recruiting. But at the same time, it's the new normal, and you better like it or you just don't like recruiting anymore because this is just going to be. Uh, what the deal is. And that's fine. I mean, I've already adjusted myself and uh, uh, you just have to be realistic about some things, but uh, here's the number one thing. It's just the numbers. Um, You know, there's only so many you can sign, but whenever you pluck a kid out of the portal, he counts against the initial counters. So you have to save yourself some room. And what I I know is going to happen Wednesday, Clint, is on our board and on other boards, we're going to have fans that are like, why didn't we sign this guy? Why didn't we sign this guy? Why didn't we sign five more? there's not an infinite number of of players you can sign and you have to save room under the portal. There have been years very recently when unknown to a lot of followers and supporters, we were out of room. We were totally out of room. And and there was daily questions. Are we going to get this guy? Are we going to get this guy? It was impossible (laughs) under the rules, but there is a finite number of guys you can take and, and, and that is affecting things even this Wednesday.
1: It 100% will, and with the transfer portal and the, the fact that it's thriving in the way that it is, one thing about it, when you look at it, Quinn Ewers, he's transferring from Ohio State to Texas. Texas has the comfort of knowing he used his one transfer on them. Right. You know, Ty Simpson coming into Alabama, you know Alabama's going to try to do whatever they can to hang on to him. They expect him to be the quarterback of the future, but they don't have that guarantee like texas does if viewers wants to go somewhere else now if he wants to transfer to texas tech you got to sit out for a year and i think that that is going to add a little bit of of a dynamic to it not only are you getting experienced college players and in the case of jameson williams it wasn't you know with alabama what you're doing is you're going out and you're finding those players who want to upgrade they were starters for their teams henry tooto he wants to go compete for a national championship he doesn't like the direction of tennessee's program you know, Jamison Williams was a heavy contributor, was a starter, was a distant third on the death chart at receiver, but he was a contributor. He was seeing snaps. He wants to go find a better situation. If guys are leaving Alabama, they're leaving Alabama because they're not getting playing time. So while they might have been a, a super talented player coming out of high school, there's still some unknowns on whether that person is going to uh, pan out because – at Alabama, you never really got to see them. So it's a different dynamic for what Alabama is losing compared to what they're gaining. And I think for schools like Alabama, and it's not just them and there's a lot out there, but they're going to be able to use the transfer portal to almost guarantee upgrades at certain positions because of the kind of players they're going to be targeting and going after.
0: Yeah. And uh, Hey, there's a lot of big names in the portal right now. And I've gotten a couple of these questions uh, in the past few days and it's hey, uh, are we going to take Jameer Gibbs? Uh, What about tank Bigsby? What what about
1: Eli uh, Ricks?
0: Eli Ricks, get that one a lot. And look, I I think Alabama's interested in all of those kids. I think every one of them, plus many, many, many more are being discussed. And there's kind of a hierarchy. And then what happens is you make contact with the kid and you you create a relationship with him in case you decide you want to add him up. I don't think uh, Alabama has made a decision on any of those guys. That doesn't mean that they're not recruiting them or talking to them or trying to get the kid to come visit. And, and, and then while you're recruiting him, and while you're trying to get to visit, you're also creating your own board. And, and what has to go into that is who's leaving the team. We don't even know that we got a really good idea, but we don't know for a fact, every kid that's leaving the program. We need to know that. We also need to know who we're signing Wednesday for certain. That won't be known until literally Wednesday. I think after Wednesday and after they see who's at practice this week and who's not, uh, and, and and after they talk to more juniors or, or guys likely to come out, they will then have a board of, hey, look, I mean, what if, you know, the best pass rusher in the country is in the portal? Well, we have Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and Drew Sanders and, 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 and you're not going to take that guy, right? Well, then what happens if we find out that Drew Sanders leaves or Dallas Turner gets hurt in, in bowl practice? I mean, so even that can change. So so that's why they're not in a hurry. They need to see what we need. Uh, it's not just about, hey, this guy's great. Go get him. Uh, Alabama has a. Big-time numbers crunch right now. And uh, there's no reason to panic about that at all. But simply, Clint, if you just assume, okay, well, Alabama's got 85 guys, and then you take the seniors off that participated in Pro Day, so you take 85 and then minus the scholarship guys that that, that participate in Pro Day and then add the 27 or 28 we're signing Wednesday, we're over 100 kids, over 100 So keep in mind, people, Alabama's got to lop off before they can just add more than 28 like people want to do. So it's all a a moving numbers thing, and uh, Nick Saban's the best that's ever done it, and he's going to do it great again. But uh, people just need to be patient. Uh, We need to figure out what our numbers are before we can just start adding extras.
1: Well, there's two points that I want to make here. One is you now have the option. Before let's say that, you know, you're Alabama and you're looking for corners and you add Earl little, but you, you need more than Earl little, you know, you really want to fill that void. Let's say Damani Jackson goes elsewhere. Let's say Denver Harris goes el- elsewhere. Let's say Dalen Everett goes elsewhere. You know, before Alabama, if they really needed numbers, they'd have to go and find a guy, you know, a three-star guy and offer him late and try to pull him, see if they can't get him to, to come on board. Now, if in that kind of instance, if they only landed, you know, Earl Little on national signing day, now is the time you say, okay, now Eli Ricks now becomes a very strong possibility. We need to go put a full court press. If they were to sign Damani Jackson and Earl Little and Denver Harris on top of having, you know, Fagans already in the class, you know, they're not gonna probably go target Eli Ricks, you know, unless they say, Okay, we like those guys, but we really need a frontline starter right now. Then they would, but that's your only option is no longer let me go try to find some lowly rated three star who we like and think that they're a pretty good player but they didn't have a whole lot of interest but now we need numbers at the position so let's go get it. Now you go look at a former five star corner and Eli Ricks and maybe that's the guy you go and add. And so that's the kind of dynamic change uh, right. going from where we're at to where we're at now.
0: And one more point these freshmen that we're recruiting are the best in the country Earl little is fantastic. Uh, Dalen Everett is fantastic. Dominique Jackson is fantastic. If you just go and announce, like a lot of our fans want to do hey, why haven't we taken Eli Ricks yet? Now you may have cost yourself one of those freshmen, you know, they're going to start too. They think they're going to start too, and they might, but when you go take someone that everyone and their grandma knows as a starter, now you hurt yourself with those kids. So that's why you have to wait till at least Wednesday to come and go before you go pluck immediate starters out of the portal. But as we know, fans fans must be some uh, Greek or Latin term, uh, you know, for having absolutely no patience at all. and wanting the answer right now. Uh, you just have to be a little patient when it comes to that issue.
1: You do. You, you really do. And how are scholarship numbers being – do you have any idea how they're being impacted from COVID? I mean, obviously last year yeah. a lot of guys were able to return, but everybody got an extra year of eligibility. And so how how are they managing the whole over-85 scholarships?
0: It's, it's, it's crazy, but this is what we're dealing with right now, and I know fans will just hear this and they'll go, oh, well, they'll make an adjustment later. How do you know that when Nick Saban and Greg Sankey don't know that? So how do you know that? <laughs> this is what the situation is right now. Every single player that was playing college football in 2020 played a season that did not count. It's almost as if just pretend that 2020 did not count. It didn't happen. So it didn't affect anyone's eligibility. If you were a true freshman eligibility wise in 2020, then you're a true freshman again, eligibility wise in 2021. Technically, eligibility wise, Bryce Young was a true freshman again this previous season, okay? So that's one thing. Well, this past year, what the NCAA said was, hey, look, Because of that extra year of eligibility, y'all are going to have some super seniors, guys that are actually playing their fifth year of competition that were seniors last year, and now they're seniors again. We're going to call those super seniors. They won't count against your numbers if you bring them back. Alabama only had two, Brian Robinson and Chris Owens. They were out of eligibility, but because of COVID, they're given an extra year. Brian and Chris Owens were able to play college football again, because of the COVID eligibility rule. Thus, Alabama was able to have 87 players on scholarship this past fall, but there were only two. So this is the problem now. Those extra years are still out there. The COVID eligibility rule is still in effect, but that super senior rule was only for this year. So you got to be at 85 next year. Doesn't matter that you have seniors or juniors still playing college football that otherwise would be out of eligibility if it wasn't for COVID, they count. So as of right now, you got to get back under 85 for for the spring semester, to my knowledge, the spring semester. So it's uh, difficult. And that's why I'm saying I know it's fun for all the fans. They want to sign this guy and this guy and these 10 other guys. And let's go get six guys out of the portal we got over a hundred dudes and we got to get down to 85.
1: It's a very interesting, uh, interesting point. You know, it, it's something that I realized as we were talking about it, I haven't looked into that as much as I should. Um, I'm not as familiar with that as I probably should be. And I need to go look at that. Cause that's, that's interesting. Cause now you've got a whole wave of guys and some of them, you know, a lot of them are going to move on. You know, there are guys like Josh Job and LeBron Ray And you know Daniel Wright, they could all exercise that same ability if they wanted to, and Alabama wanted them to, or they could exercise it regardless. It's just a matter of whether they would stay at Alabama or not. But a lot of them are, you know, were recognized on senior day. They're moving on, whether it be to the NFL or somewhere else. So a lot of it should take care of itself. But just these influx in numbers is going to be interesting to watch how they monitor or how they manage everything. And it's a very interesting point. And I wonder how many high school kids this is going to affect because you're going to have seasoned veterans that, you know, want to maybe return. And you say, you know what? I mean, having you as our number two or number three at a certain position, that would be more beneficial than granted. I mean, you're going to always take the premium talent, but instead of settling for, you know, lower rated guys on your board, you can say, well, we'll just take less guys in this class and we'll keep that. And for at least this next year we'll have one of the most experienced teams. I mean, look at Georgia. Georgia has a ton of experience and it's really helped them this year. And so, you know, if they were to cut, if Alabama were to cut bait on a lot of their experience for younger guys, you know, more long-term guys, then for long-term that might be beneficial, but Alabama might be a lot less experienced next year. And especially if you have to start getting into your depth in some positions. So it, it's all interesting, man. And I know we spend a lot of time talking about the recruiting stuff and we're going to continue to do that throughout the week. But I also want to talk about Bryce Young winning the Heisman and some Alabama basketball. So, Jimmy, just we'll start with Bryce Young, first Alabama quarterback to win the Heisman Trophy, second consecutive player for Alabama to bring home the award. Devontae Smith was in 2020. And something that I noticed, and I put, put it out there on Twitter, the last quarterback to win the Heisman was a Bama player. The last running back to win the Heisman, Derrick Henry, in 2015, an Alabama player. And the last receiver to win the Heisman was an Alabama player. Just how dominant has Alabama been in these individual awards recently? And what are your thoughts on Bryce Young bringing home the award?
0: Well, I mean, Nick Saban created the greatest dynasty of all time in college football, and it's ongoing. And and when you have the greatest dynasty in the history of the sport, it's going to produce so many things that i i think you almost get numb to it or, or don't even fully grasp that before 2009 uh alabama had been playing college football for you know 120 years and had never won a heisman trophy in 120 years and now it's four and 12 seasons <laughs> it, it, it's crazy and uh bryce's story may be the best of 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 all of them i mean in the sense he's only played 13 college football games. He's only played 13 times as the starter, and he's already recognized as the best college football player in the sport. He's got a whole nother full year. Technically he could play in 2022, 23 and 24 eligibility wise. Um, although I doubt he does that. I think he's going to go to the NFL, uh, maybe at his first opportunity, which would be at the end of last next season. Um, you know, I, I think the question is where does Bryce rank in Alabama history now, a quarterback? I don't know that he's quarterbacked enough games. We have to see next season too. But I, when it comes to answering questions like that, Clint, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an objective observer, not subjective. Meaning, subjective means hey, anybody can have an opinion. There might be some Alabama fan out there that's like, hey, you know who's better than Bryce? Tyler Watts. That's my opinion. Okay, that's your opinion. It's not very good, but. That, <laughs> um. I'm more of an objective guy, and what I say is, hmm, if we're going to determine who the best quarterback is at all time, let's talk about uh, hardware, let's talk about wins, let's talk about school records, uh, let's talk about statistics, things that you can measure, and uh, Bryce now has the Heisman, so I think when you're discussing the greatest quarterbacks to ever play football at Alabama, it almost has to start with have you won a Heisman trophy, and now Bryce has, and and so many other great Alabama quarterbacks, Namath, Tua, Jalen, Mack, Stabler. Uh, they didn't win a Heisman. Bryce did. So uh yeah, greatest quarterback to ever play at Alabama. I mean, I mean, I I think Bryce is starting to uh to make that argument.
1: I think he is too. And I've actually uh been saying that for a little while now because I, you know, statistically, you know, he's certainly up there but I just think that he's done more with less. I mean, the the talent around him is still phenomenal compared to 95% of college programs out there. So I don't want to act like this guy's carrying, you know, just mediocre players all over the place. That's not the case. I'm simply saying that when you look, I mean, I imagine what Bryce Young has done this year and then imagine him behind last year's offensive line with two more first round picks and John Mechie. You know, you wouldn't have had Jamison Williams, but you would have had Jalen Waddle. Well, I guess he gets hurt, but, uh, he's at least available for the first few games. And of course the, the national championship game. And then you got Devonte Smith, another Heisman trophy winner. That would be, you know, on the roster as well. You'd have Najee Harris. And I'll say this, I'll, I'll argue until I'm blue in the face with this. I can't really speak going back historically a whole lot pre Saban because I didn't pay. I mean, I did pay attention to football, but I was much more of just a fan and didn't really look at it and analyze it. And I've watched highlights and. I've talked a lot about witnessing something in real time and how that changes your perception of it. You know, I can go and look at how incredible Derek Thomas was back in the day, but it's very hard for me to grasp just how great he was because I wasn't there living it in real time. Like there's a crucial moment in the football game, and, you know, you need a big sack or a big stop, and Derek Thomas is making it a, a couple of those a game. You know, I, I, I didn't see or feel or have the emotion attached to it that other people did, so I can't speak to it. But as far as Najee Harris is concerned, I think he's one, one of, if not the best running backs in the Nick Saban era. And I even say that maybe even more than, than Derek Henry, and that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, but I think that he is a guy who is going to have a ton of success regardless of what system and regardless of what era he's playing in. He could play the power football. You know, he had great vision, great ability to make people miss. He was a great receiver out of the backfield. He had size. He had strength and power. He could run between the tackles. He can run off tackle, had some breakaway speed. So just because you win the Heisman doesn't automatically make the greatest player to ever play at that position. But it certainly automatically puts you in that conversation. And, you know, Bryce, to me, he's one of those people I don't necessarily think that Devontae Smith, is the greatest receiver of all time. I think there's an argument to be made for some other guys as well, including a guy who didn't even have a fraction of the same statistics in Julio Jones because of the era that he played in. But with Bryce, I think it plays. I think him being a Heisman Trophy winner, the first ever quarterback to do it, I certainly think that he is up there. And I very well uh, will probably end up, as long as he continues on this current path, he'll probably end up being my top quarterback that I've ever seen play at Alabama. I do also find it interesting, and I wanted to get your take on this the various sizes. You know, Alabama yeah. takes an undersized, you know, and, and I said this, you know, he's listed at six foot, 194. Anybody that saw him at the Heisman Trophy ceremony knows he's not six foot. I've stood next to him. I'm six foot. He was not as tall as me, and he had a helmet on. He's not six foot, period. He's probably closer to 5'10 and a half, 5'11 at the absolute best. He might not be 194 pounds, so he might be 190 or 185. But to take that, a very undersized quarterback and win a Heisman Trophy with it. And then you look last year, and I think uh, Devontae Smith was listed at 6'1", 175, when there were some concerns about him in the pre-draft process, where really everybody was like, his weight's at like 160, not 175. I think Alabama fudged that. He was listed at six foot, so he's a six foot, 160 pound receiver, win a Heisman with him. And then you take a guy who most people would not expect to have success, at the running back position in Derrick Henry, 6'3, 242 pounds. You know, that's a linebacker. That's a, a that's an edge. That's a, a fullback. That's a tight end. That's not a running back. You take that, you turn him into a Heisman Trophy winner. Just very interesting in the fact they've been able to take a lot of guys who don't have prototypical size for the position they play and turn them into the, uh, the best player in the country.
0: Yeah, the developmental, you know, I think. I think Nick Saban gets almost too much credit for the recruiting and not enough credit for developing the talent once it's there. Um, I, th- I think that's a strength of uh, of his program that just isn't talked about enough. And, and uh, you know, as far as the, the various sizes, it is funny. I mean, an, an over big running back wins the Heisman, a tiny quarterback wins the Heisman, a really skinny wide receiver wins, wins the Heisman. Uh, heck, I guess Mark Ingram's like the only uh, quote normal uh, player we've <laughs> on the Heisman but but hey you know Bryce's size is is fascinating it's going to be really picked apart when it comes time when Bryce enters the NFL draft process and people discuss him as the potential number one pick and that's going to happen uh it's going to be really interesting his size is going to be just torn apart I mean I I mean it's going to be the most dissected thing of that draft is is Bryce's size but Hey, it's a new world. Uh, It's a different time. I heard uh, Jim Nagy from the senior bowl talking about it just this morning that, you know, there's new rules. You know, why can you have such a small guy being so successful in college football today and and even in the NFL? Well, it's because there's new rules. Uh, The huge hit, the, 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 the quarterback, the devastating quarterback sack is almost legislated out of the game particularly at that level. That's one reason a small guy can, can have some success. Now, Uh, you used to just be too small and you were going to get hurt. And that's that because it was really a brutal game. Now it's kind of shifted from a brutal game to a rough game, but Bryce is probably going to be able to survive that. Also with up-tempo football being a thing, even in the NFL, not to the extent that it is in college, but playing at a faster tempo suits Bryce, uh, the fact that the run game in the NFL is basically your short passes, uh, that benefits Bryce. He gets the ball out so fast outside that it is sort of works like a run play, uh, that. So there's all these new changes. New football makes it possible for someone Bryce's size to have a lot of success. But one thing is a fact, no matter what anybody says, I guess it's irrelevant. But if, if this was 1983, 1983. That doesn't seem that long ago to me because I'm old. But if this was 1983, Bryce probably doesn't get the opportunity to play quarterback at modern day, to say nothing of Alabama and the NFL. That would right. be a it would be a joke. It, it would be he would have a 0.00 chance of playing quarterback at Alabama or the NFL at his size. Um and, and now and even at modern day, which has probably you know the backup quarterbacks at modern day are, are future division one players um i don't think 5 10 if bryce is five ten, i don't think a five ten 10 guy uh, that weighs 170 580 pounds gets a shot to play high school football at quarterback at modern day in 1983. so it, it, it's a new reality it's an it, it's a, it's a new sport and bryce you know i compared bryce to kyler murray when he was in high school i thought that was the best comp for bryce uh, as we've now seen him playing college, I, I, I no longer think that's the best comp, just simply because even though Bryce could use his legs a lot, he doesn't. Therefore his game is a lot different than Kyler's, but Bryce still has Kyler Murray to thank uh, because Kyler and some other shorter quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and Drew Brees uh, opened the door for, for kids like Bryce. And if it wasn't for that, then uh, then Bryce would never have the opportunities that he has even at Alabama.
1: He really wouldn't. And and I think it'll be really important for him because like you got to think when Tua Valoa was finishing up his first season at Alabama and he the second 26 walk-off touchdown win the national championship. Everybody's like this guy's going to be the number 1 pick in the draft. He's incredible. Lack of height, yeah, but he I mean there's no doubt he's going to be the number 1 pick. And then from there, you know, he plays the next season but he starts getting banged up, but you know, you, you have an unfortunate injury. It happens to people. It happens to quarterbacks. He didn't have that injury prone label. I think it will be very important for Bryce young because of not only his lack of height, but lack of size of mass for him to prove he's done a great job of it this year. A phenomenal job of, you know, he's taken some big hits and he's always getting up. I've never, I've, I've seen him maybe slowly get up like one or two times this season and then within a couple of steps of walking off the field on a third down or something, after a third down, you know, he's jogging and he's fine. He's back out there the next play. He's got to continue to prove that he can do that. Because if he, you know, gets a, an injury or two and misses a couple of games in in 2022, then the, the NFL evaluators are going to be like, he see, he started to break down a little bit. He was taking those hits and he didn't hold up as well in year two, taking them as he did in year one. What's going to happen in year four, five, six? when he gets on the NFL level and he's taking these hits because of his lack of size, whether it's warranted or not, that's where the criticism or the critique is going to come in. And so I think that it will be very important for him to stay as protected and keep himself protected as he possibly can over the course of the next year. Cause if he can make it to year three and he's still not had any sort of injuries and he's still been that same guy, you'll still have that conversation, but you know, you look at Devonte Smith. He had started to suffer some injuries, you know, later on. And and even in the national championship game dominated in the first half, got banged up and people were questioning, how's he going to hold up as far as his size? That's something that I think that, uh, that Bryce young, or, uh, you know, he needs to make sure that he's trying to take care of himself, which is why I do not blame him. If he continues to take this approach of I'm going to run the football when absolutely necessary. And it's going to catch the defense off guard because they never know when to expect it because it's not something I do often. And so I'm gonna wait for those really important moments I'm going to use my legs. I'm going to help us. Otherwise, I'm going to be helping our team or our offense with my arm. And that's plenty good enough. So final thing we're going to talk about congratulations to Bryce Young on winning it. Congratulations to Will Anderson Jr. for finishing fifth. And, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, I I think it's wild, even though I kind of predicted it. I thought it was wild that Aiden Hutchinson was second and Will Anderson Jr. was fifth. So this isn't like a you know, fourth, fifth, one of them barely made the cut. The other one barely did. And this is like people viewed them very differently, which is wild to me, but that's beside the point conversation for another day. Last thing we'll talk about is Alabama versus Houston in basketball, top 15 win. I think I just read where Alabama climbed to number six in the latest polls, which would be absolutely huge. The number six team in basketball, the number one team in football. What a time to be an Alabama fan. I mean, it just, it doesn't get any better than this. But a uh, yes. very very controversial call at the end, I think, based off the angles that we continue to get. I've, I've gone from being like it's questionable. I can see it going both ways, to I don't think it was goaltending. Uh, so, Jimmy, what, were your, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I didn't think it was goaltending either live or I have seen an angle or two. I put it this way, I think it's close enough to where I understand why Houston was upset and wanted a review and thought it was goaltending. I mean, I get why they were upset because it wasn't – I mean it wasn't 100 clear but i think the more angles we see (laughs) that that you don't get the benefit of live to me it wasn't goaltending at all uh this time at alabama reminds me of a few years ago at florida when they won the national championship in football and basketball uh, the same seasons the same season uh and and then we're real i guess that was that was uh, early in Urban Myers' career at Florida when Billy Donovan was the basketball coach and they were just a threat to win the national championship in both sports every season. Uh, that's what it kind of reminds me of. You know, I, I'm sure I'm the wrong person to ask because I'm an Alabama fan about how good is this Alabama basketball team. Well, I don't know if I'm the right person to ask because uh, I'm so biased. <laughs> but here's what I'm not biased about, Houston basketball. I could not have been more impressed with how good they were. Um, they're just a team that looked good. They looked like a team to me that could win the national championship. And I'm not being far-fetched because they made it to the Final Four a year ago. So, yes, this is a Final Four program. We know that. Uh, they look like a national championship-type team to me. I know they're good. I saw them with my own eyes. I'm like, dang, that's that's a good team. And uh, Alabama beat them. Alabama beat them, uh, even with the controversial call at the end, let's say it went the other way, and it was a Houston win by one point that to me means you know what we can we can beat them when <laughs> we only lost by a point. Um, if Alabama is as good as Houston and apparently they are then Alabama's a damn good basketball team very capable of winning the national championship this year, and if you're capable of winning the national championship. I'm I'm not uh, advocating we rest on our laurels or anything like that. Nick Saban wouldn't be a fan of that. What I'm saying is, look, Nate already built it. It's built. Nate came here to build a, a program and a team that can win a national championship. It's year three. Put a big checkmark by it, done. Alabama is capable of winning the national championship, and I think they've proven it in these last two games against big time truly elite competition alabama wins both games uh alabama is just simply announcing itself clint as just as elite in that sport as they are in football on the short list of teams that can win the whole damn thing
1: which is wild i mean because really in basketball the goals are different in football you know, especially at a place like Alabama, the expectation has become national championship. If you don't win a national championship, it's a disappointing season, you know, right now in basketball, it's winning the SEC. It's making the tournament consistently. Um, You know, it's it's making a little bit of a run in the tournament, but now it's like, not only is that the expectation, I'm not saying the Bama fans, you know, I think that they, I think that, you know, final four would be kind of where a lot of people are pegging Alabama currently. Does that become the expectation? Not necessarily. Um, I think if they make it to the elite eight, you know, I think that that a lot of Bama fans would consider that a, a solid season. Some will view it somewhat as a disappointment, but overall, I think it'd be fun. But what's wild is that we're now getting to the point where Alabama's not just competing to make it to the tournament. They're not just competing to win the sec. They're not just competing to make it to the, you know, round of 32 or the sweet 16, it's like the elite eight, the final four, the national championship being the national champions. Those are now like everything is shifted. And that is the kind of job that Nate Oates has done. He's been phenomenal. I don't think that anybody, you cannot tell me if you were an Alabama fan that you, when you, when they hired him, you saw all this, this quickly. I liked the hire. I thought it was an underrated hire. A lot of Alabama fans give them credit. They liked the hire. It was kind of an unknown guy to a lot of people, but when Alabama fans started diving into it, there were some who already knew who he was and already loved the hire. Others, the more they learned about, about him, they they ended up liking the hire too. So it wasn't like he was unpopular. Uh, this isn't even a Brian Harson type of situation for Auburn where you don't really have the full support of the fan base or the people that you're working with. But at the same time, nobody expected NATOs to come in and do this level. He is I'm not saying that he's he's made Alabama's football program success, the consistency in the program, the way it's built. He's done that on the basketball court, but this is as close as you could have ever imagined if you were an Alabama fan of getting a coach in here to do something similar and give you this confidence that you're going to recruit well, you're going to perform on the court. The, you know, not saying that you can't slip up and lose a game you're not supposed to, but in those games that you're supposed to win, you're winning most of them. It's not always pretty, but you've got talent. You're making, you know, you're expecting to make deep runs. You're living up to your expectations, and the season is a lot more fun. What a time to be an Alabama basketball fan, all because of
0: Nate Oates. Yeah, it's, it's Nate. It's Nate, and uh, I was just reading something that was on the on-three board this morning, and, and again, I, I agree. You know, this this guy was saying, you know, we need a new arena. We need this, and well, that'll be nice. And and, and I think that's coming. I mean, I, I don't know when that's going to be announced, or I, I just know, I I just feel like from what I hear from various places that a new arena is, is probably something that's on the, the the drafting board anyway, or being discussed, being discussed um, by serious people now. We're already there, Clint. We're we're good enough to win the national championship right now, playing in Coleman Coliseum with the facilities that we have, with what we got. We're good enough right now. We don't need anything but Nate Oates. That's what we need. Nate Oates, he signed a new contract. He's got a giant buyout in it. He's not going anywhere. He's got a daughter, an American Christian. Uh, His family's happy there. He's happy here. He's not going anywhere. He's not he didn't sign that contract saying build my arena or I'm walking. He's he he we're we we've arrived. Now we're about to start deriving the benefits from that because as the basketball team wins on a grander scale, it will become even an even more profitable sport for Alabama. And uh and we're gonna see the fruits of that soon. But uh no, we've arrived, we've arrived. I don't know how the season will end. I, I I don't know. This team may not lose again until the first round of the NCAA tournament, or they might finish, uh, you know, 8-10 and 10 in the SEC and then, and then make it all the way to the Final Four or the National Championship game. I don't know how how the individual games are going to work out. I just do know this. This team is capable of winning the whole thing. So it's built. It's here. We just have to continue recruiting at the level we're recruiting right now
1: and what's interesting is that nate Oates, not only is he recruiting the high school level extremely well he's also uh, like nick saban he's identifying guys who can help this basketball program win right now and he is going out there and he is getting a lot of the targets that he wants you know namari burnett i don't know how much he would improve this alabama team they're already really good no doubt he would make this team better at least from a depth standpoint if he was available, but you go out, you get him, Noah Gurley. I understand that, you know, not everybody's thrilled with him at all times, but that is a guy that a lot of programs around the country coveted. Alabama goes out there, they get him, you know, Javon Quinterly, even before the transfer the one-time transfer rule passed, Natives was going out there. He was bringing in guys like, you know, former five-star talents like Javon Quinterly to come in, look at the impact that he's made. He is doing everything that you could possibly ask, and you look at Coleman Coliseum against Houston on Saturday, uh, yeah, on uh, Saturday night. You're talking about an environment that very few people, at least my age, have ever seen in Coleman Coliseum, and that is going to start becoming the the norm. That is going now. Granted, there are going to be games where there's not a ton of people because it's not a great team, and there are going to be people who are upset. That's going to end up happening, even at Alabama football games. With what Nick Saban has built, you still see games where they're playing Mercer and stuff, and you look up in the upper deck, and there's a lot of empty seats, and you know that upsets you. So th- that's not what I'm talking about, but I, I'm I'm saying you, you know, that first SEC game that's in Coleman Coliseum, I think it's on December 29th. I'll actually be in Dallas at that point, but um, I, I don't remember who the opponent was. Um, I think
0: I think we play Tennessee first.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it is Tennessee. Coleman Coliseum is going to be absolutely packed for that basketball game. You know, you look at it. You know, Houston, and I understand Houston's a top fifteen team, but look at the environment that was created. This is a very hungry fan base, and it's something that you're wa- you're getting to watch it be built. You know, Nick Saban has built such a well-oiled machine that as Alabama fans, it's like you're on top there. You know, it's just it's riding the. You know, you're at the top of the mountain. It's just a matter of staying up there with the with the with the basketball program you're getting to watch greatness be created by Nate Oates. It's a completely different approach. It's a completely different dynamic and it's a lot of fun to watch. So very impressed with the job that he's done. And I mean, I've for everything that we've seen, there's nothing that leads me to believe that this Alabama basketball program is not going to be relevant, extremely relevant in the national championship picture annually. I can't even say that word, that other word, I always struggle with it. Um, but from now until the end of time, man, I mean, it's, it's incredible.
0: Yep. And uh, it's the the fruits of playing this unbelievably brutal non-conference schedule. I mean, it doesn't even stop. I mean, now you're at Memphis tomorrow night. I know Memphis has lost more games than anticipated, and their fans aren't crazy about their one loss record. But that doesn't change the fact that they have two guys in their lineup that are going to be lottery picks. Two. You have to play two lottery picks. So uh, at Memphis. Um, this is a really talented basketball team that we're playing tomorrow night yet again. And uh, but hey when you when you test yourself like this in the non-conference playing all these good teams, uh, when the conference game starts, Alabama knows exactly what they are, what the strengths are, what the weaknesses are, what to coach around, what needs to improve. Uh, that's the, the the beauty of this non-conference schedule. There's no guesswork anymore that they've already played multiple teams as good or better. Than what they're going to see in the conference. So uh, the fact that they've gotten through it with this one-loss record is incredible because this has been a brutal schedule. Alabama, the last few years, frankly, even going back to the end of the Godfrey era, Alabama's done a really good job with scheduling non-conference. I think in terms of what they schedule, but it's never been like this where every week you're just playing. Uh, every week you're just playing somebody really good
1: absolutely and I mean you look at Memphis and speaking of them I mean they lost by you know close to 20 against Iowa State and I think that kind of caused a spiral you know then you go to Georgia you lose a game by three points you go to Ole Miss you lose a game by four points and then by that point you're on a three game losing streak things are not going well you play Murray State and you lose that game by two to make it four straight losses in a row they were undefeated up to that point Um, now you're playing Alabama what better way to write the ship and get your program or your, your season back on track than beating a top 10 team in the country, a top eight, a top six team in the country in Alabama. So it is, they're a talented team. Uh, there were a lot of expectations going in are. It's going to be a tough matchup for Alabama, or it's going to be a tough uh, game for Alabama. So they need to be prepared and I'm excited to see it, but just we've kind of run long on this podcast, which I knew we would because we had so many yeah. different things to talk about. And the recruiting stuff lasted a little bit longer, but dude, this is this week you know, you got basketball, but this week is recruiting, baby. You know, that's, that's going to be the focus. And so we wanted to give that plenty of attention today as well. So it's going to be, it's going to be a fantastic next couple of days, Jimmy, as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. This is always a good time. We've talked about it. We could do this for 10, 10 straight hours and never lose interest. You know, we're never going to give people the excitement that, that zoo and Hunter Johnson did last night in that Twitter space. Never going to bring it quite like those guys did, but we're going to try to provide you with as much information as possible and let you chew on it and hopefully you can go to work or whatever and share what you've learned and, and make it sound like it's your own idea. So that I, I guess that's how it works. Uh Anyways, Jimmy, I just, I appreciate you so much, man.
0: Oh, no, thanks. And uh man, I can't wait to, uh, you know, tomorrow and on Wednesday, just jumping into this class. We did a projected class, an updated projected class again this morning on the the BAM on three message board and uh, everybody needs to read that. And and know and, and that's what, what, what we think as of this minute and any minute, I can get a text from someone or a source that would have me uh, changing that projection, because that's how it works here in the final week.
1: Yeah, it's exactly how it works. We, you know, they're high school kids. We don't know exactly what they're doing, but anyways, I, I appreciate you. Once again, I appreciate the listeners as always. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow. This has been the BAM on three show and I'm your host, Clint Lamb.